We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Welcome to Transformative Principal. Today, I am so excited to have Darren Elwine on the podcast. He is a principal in North Dakota. (laughs) Not really. He's in South Dakota. But I had to mess with him, just like I messed with his co-author, Derek McCoy, a couple of weeks back on the podcast. If you haven't listened to that one, make sure you go back and listen to that too. Today, we are talking with my dessert bro about his new book, Revolution. So let's talk about your book that you co-wrote with Derek McCoy. And welcome, Darren. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, Jethro, you stole one of my first lines, and that was going to be my dessert bro. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I tragic, know better. Tragic. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on here, and uh, you know, just a, a plug for your podcast. I love listening to it. I listened to the one that you did with Derek, and that was that was excellent. So uh, definitely like minds and like hearts, the three of us for what we want to see for change, and we're excited for the book. It's just it's hard to believe it's been barely just over two months now. It's been out, but it seems like it's been an eternity. We're just, you know, our whole goal is just to help people and it's to help people see that the direction that we're going for kids, we're just, we're doing them such a disservice. And there's so many things that have to change, but we're just trying to help people see through the book that just take some small pieces and make that change and then start to build on it. And even better yet, I mean, um, I just did a podcast with uh, Hans Apple. And his kids did a great job. And I told him, I said, you know, revolution is about a group of people. And it's, it's kind of 
it's spurring each other on together to create that that common cause, that revolution to make a difference. And that's really what the book is about. Yeah. And I think that that piece right there of it's about a group of people is really important because each of us, you know, as a teacher, as a principal, we can go into our rooms and close the door and do whatever we do with the kids. But if we're just doing it in a silo, it's never going to be as effective as when everybody's doing it together. And so that aspect of having it be a group, part of the challenge is that in education, when one person gets their head up above everybody else, the immediate temptation is to chop off that head and make sure you're not up too high above everybody else. So how do you combat that when when you're doing these things that are innovative and different, revolutionary, how do you make it so that you're not way out in front and getting chopped off? That is a question I was not expecting to answer. And that, <laughs> I mean, it is, that's, that's a hard, yeah. <laughs> that's a hard one. You know, I guess if I look at it from the broad lens of the people that I know on social media, the people that I'm really connected with are not like that. So I don't experience that. I haven't experienced, you know, someone coming along and just, they just want to pick a fight to pick a fight, to disagree. Uh, so I've been fortunate in that sense. From a, probably a staff culture standpoint, I think the first couple of years I tried to introduce some of these big changes, these initiatives, there was there was definitely some kickback. There were some people that, you know, decided that there were different positions that they wanted to do. So they left. And that's always hard because you you want you want people to to share that vision. But then I think what I've learned through experience over the last four years is that sometimes you you gotta let people go and make that decision for themselves. And what's that what that's afforded me is I mean, I have such an incredible staff right now. And they're the ones a lot of times they push me or it's like one of these, you maybe have these in your building too, Jethro. All of a sudden you're done with the day and you see a tweet from your science teacher. And it's like, what? When did that take place? That is incredible. And so that's kind of what's taken place here. There's still a high level of structure and you know the personalized learning piece is a whole different topic to talk about. There's a lot of structure. But it's so much fun to see adults having fun. And that's what they're doing. They're just, they're, they're, enjoying, they're enjoying the journey. And it's different. That I told people just last week before we left for the summer, because we just finished with having kids in our building. I said, you know what you need? You have to keep learning. And you have to make sure that uh, your iterations are new every year. And every lesson don't teach the same lesson year after year after year. You can use concepts of the lesson, but that should be a different iteration because you have different kids in your room and you really need to make sure that you're tailoring what you do for kids because it's not about the adults, it's about the kids. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I got a really different experience this year when my daughter was at my school and I could start seeing communication come home from the teachers as it related, as if I were a parent because I, I am a parent. And so... It was really awesome to see that different side and see how that communication was coming. And so, you know, her science teacher was just remarkable. She actually had at least two different, yeah, just two different science teachers this year because of how they were personalizing learning for their students, which was so exciting to see that instead of saying, 
you're in seventh grade, therefore you can only learn from this one teacher in this one way. They were dividing it up among the three science teachers and kids were moving each quarter to a different science classroom to learn about something that they were choosing, which was incredible. And because of that, she was able to create a science fair project and end up getting second place at the district science fair the first time she's ever done a science fair project. And so it was it was really cool to see that from the parent perspective, something that I don't typically get to see in my schools. And I really enjoyed that because like you said, you could tell her teachers were having fun doing those things. And, and it's just awesome. So you spoke a little bit ago about how there's so much to change and, and it's overwhelming, but it's better to take little steps. When it comes to things like personalizing learning, that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about because I believe that's the best kind of education. What small steps do you need to take to be effective in that regard as it relates to personalized learning? Great question. Number two, I think, first of all, you have to make sure that you're tailoring everything to the learner, to the kids. And I think a lot of that starts with understanding that you're not the sage on the stage anymore, that you don't hold the information, you don't gather all the information, you don't distribute all the information, that you need to let the kids have ownership. And then it comes to voice and choice. Our sixth graders within our personalized learning cohort, besides math, within the other three content core content areas, they couldn't even tell you how many formal tests they took on one hand. So it would had to be less than five formal tests that they took all year long. It was all based on mastery projects. And there were what we call success criteria attached to them. But there was so much voice and choice in what the kids could do with that project and things that we had never thought of or had considered before. There was a, we had a group of seventh grade boys, for example, they had a geography project and they ended up figuring out how to create a green screen within a green screen using TouchCast and a framed picture, just put it on the wall with green paper inside of it. And it's things like that. If you open up to just let the kids be creative in what they do, and don't be offended that they think of something that you don't, it's, it's amazing what they come through with. But I would say that definitely is one piece. You have to tailor to the learner. But I'll tell you as an adult, you have to give up the big C word, control. That control has to leave. Now you still hold some control, but in the book, I, I described it as this, you know, when you go through driver's education, you just don't get the wheel right away as the student. There's a point where you're in the back seat, then you're in the uh, passenger seat and the, and the front, and then you're the driver. But even when you're the driver, the adult still has, has some control over the brake. And I think that's how I view it is the adults think, well, it's going to be chaos. Well, no, it doesn't have to be because you still have some control but you're giving up that control. It's a gradual, gradual release model. And the other thing I'll tell you is the most beneficial. And this year was the biggest, uh, biggest epiphany for some reason, but it was just a day-to-day relationship. The more that I keep going in education, the more it turns into this whole job is about relationship. And I, the kids that we have within our personalized learning, they all meet in one room to start the day. And they do a habits of mind. So they do some social emotional learning. But I just surveyed over 75 kids here last week on their experience. And I couldn't tell you how many of them said 
it was like my own little family. And that right there, Jethro, is the best comment I can ever hear from a kid. Yeah. It, it was like my own little family is like, how can you get much better than that? And we all know that family doesn't mean that it's all kumbaya and everybody loves each other all the time. In my family, <laughs> there's fights. We yelled at each other. <laughs> and so it's not like everything's perfect, exactly. but there it's you know that they care about you as a person first and foremost. And then when they have flaws and they expose those flaws, you just move on and deal with it. And, and I think that that part is where it's really powerful. We had a, a student at my school this year who just was like, everybody was sick of him, everybody. And so even I was getting sick of him. And this kid just was, he just could not relate to anyone. And he was just struggling mightily. And, you know, as the principal, there's nobody for you to pass the kid off to, right? And so when you're frustrated, you still have to like deal with him. So, so one time I was, I was frustrated. He was being a punk. And so I was finally like, Hey, so what are you like, what are you trying to get out of school? And he's like, nothing. I just come cause I have to. And I was like, okay, so like, do you enjoy that? And he's like, no, I hate school. It's boring. I don't like the stuff I do, all that kind of stuff. And I was like, if you could do something, what would you do? And we do these this thing called Synergy at our school where kids come up with their own projects and all that. And he was like, well, sometimes I just get all amped up and I want to like be able to take a break. And like, have you ever seen like at this other element at this elementary school in our district, there's this thing called a sensory hallway. Have you ever seen one of those? And I was like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. He's like, we need one of those at our school. And I was like, well, do you want to like make it? And he's like, yeah, I think I do. I said, okay, got him connected with a teacher who could help him with that. Did this kid ever finish that? No, but you know what? I established a relationship with him and guess what was not as annoying everything that he did. I mean, <laughs> it was a little thing, but once I connected with him as a person, then those annoying, frustrating things, they really just mellowed out. And eventually that kid turned it around, made some really good choices and had an awesome end of the year. And I was just so proud of the change that he had made himself. But I know that that wasn't even because of me. It was because somebody else came in and started building the relationship with him. And I saw how different that looked when a person started with a relationship and not with the do what I tell you to do. It's, it's powerful for sure. Yep, I agree. Okay. So you said three things there, tailor everything to the learner, giving up control and relationships. Now those are like three gigantic challenges for any educator to tackle. Which one of those, where would you start with those from those three things? Well, I think it would probably be the last one. Everything has to start with a relationship. And then once you have that established, I think it's it's that first release of control is letting the learners decide what the standard operating procedures are, the norms. Let them make those kind of decisions. And then I think you follow it up with the instruction. And I think most people want to tackle the instruction right away. But I think there, it's like an onion. There's, there's different layers of an onion you have to peel before you can get to the heart of what's going on. So I think that's, that's the best order to take. And, you know, with our sixth graders, when they first come in, they don't have any content 
until maybe two, maybe three weeks into the school year. Uh, but we have no problem with our scope and sequence. As a matter of fact, they, we are done with our standards before we hit our standardized testing at the end of April. And the reason is, even though it looks like we lose time in the beginning, I tell people just be patient with it if you're a new teacher within the cohort for personalized learning. Because what happens is, once November hits, all of a sudden there's this train that is trucking along and you can't stop it. And you're knocking out these standards, you're, you're getting these incredible mastery projects, and the kids are just fully engaged. They, they understand what the norms are. They're not worried about what it is from room to room because they're all consistent. And then they're just, they're focused on their learning. It's just, it's almost like magic happens after about a month of just, you know, working together, creating that family atmosphere, and then just, just moving things into the content. Yeah. My, my experience with that has been is that once everybody feels good, then the content just comes. And you also get to have those neat experiences like doing a green screen within a green screen. Like that kind of stuff is, you know, that's not here on our standards checklist for anything. <laughs> that is that is something that we get to experience because we're moving so quickly and so focused. And so, so many times our approach is, oh, kids are struggling. We need to have more control and more like hands on the inputs and outputs that the kids are experiencing. And I really don't think that that's the case. You really got to step back and let it go even more because the kids, the kids love to learn. It's not like a kid goes and learns something new and is like, oh, that was horrible. (laughs) I just learned that new thing that I never knew before. Never let that happen again. That's not the case. So do you have a, a small group within your school that's doing something different than the rest of the school? You say your personalized learning cohort. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, our superintendent has it set up several years ago that it's by parent choice if you're going to be in the cohorts. And the cohort is uh, your English language arts, social studies, science, and math. Those four content teachers, they meet with a certain group of kids like next year. Our sixth graders coming in, we're close to 100 of them that these four facilitators are going to be working with. And what they do within this time is that these kids don't have a schedule to start their day. They don't get a schedule at the beginning of the year that says, go here at 9 o'clock, go here at 9.45, go here at 10.30. They go into a room, they hear the offerings that are taking place. So if I'm teaching social studies, I'm not just putting you know, note-taking, 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 note-taking as my offerings, they're differentiated to meet the needs of a variety of learners within there. And so I, I mentioned what we're covering that day, and this is done just on a simple Google slide. And then after all four facilitators have talked about it, our kids, they open up their iPads. Um, there's a software, personalizedlearningtools.com, and the software uh, allows them then to schedule their core content classes. After they schedule it, it, the software goes green, which means they're good to go. Then they leave and they go to their first studio that they have for class. So we have, I think we had over 200 visitors to our school last year. And the adults at first, when they see that, it's like, well, they're just signing up with their friends. You know what? Sometimes they do. And sometimes an 11-year-old learns when he's 11 that he can't do that. And how powerful is it that he can figure that out when he's 11 instead of 
people battling with him all the way until he's like a sophomore. And then kids figure that piece out, but then also the level of responsibility to know where they're going because we don't have any bells in the building anymore. And so their schedule is a little bit different than what we call our traditional track. It's just, uh, yeah, it's just the skills that we think we're building in them, we're hoping is really going to be unique and it's going to help them be able to tackle, you know, post-secondary, whatever that's going to look like for them. Well, and just be able to manage their life as it is, you know, as, as busy as kids are these days, they certainly need uh, help and support doing that. So we're doing something similar at our school next year where we're calling it school within a school where the school within a school is just like what you described, where they go in, they have their own schedule, they make their own schedule. We don't make it for them. What I tell families is it is uh, instead of adults determining the kids' schedule, the students determine their schedule. And so that's that's really how we're set up right now is adults figure out where kids are going when. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do next year is, is a lot like what you've done. I've taken inspiration from talking to you before about that. And I'm really excited about it. And here's the really cool thing, because we also saw that it would need to be opt-in because with that lack of structure of the adult telling you where to go, there's a different structure, which is you have to be responsible and pay attention and do what you need to do during that time. And so, so we made an opt-in and we needed uh, 45 kids from our current seventh grade students to opt into it. And we exceeded that number before the deadline even came, which, which is a testament that people are ready for it. They understand it, but it's also something that I know if I try to push on everybody, it's just not going to work. And so I really, I really appreciate your example and leading out that way because it certainly made it so that we could do some, some pretty cool things at our school also. Yeah. Well, Jethro, the thing that people don't realize, and I think it's, there's good intentions from a lot of schools when they talk about personalized learning, but their view or their model of, of PL personalized learning is the kids are in front of their tablet, their computer all day long, and they're just going at a pace that they want to, to try to get as much content done. But for me, that's absolutely not it. The world for these kids in 10 years is going to be based on a high level of collective intelligence and collaboration. And our personalized learning is really, it's based on relationship. It's based on them having a choice and a voice in what they're learning. But the bigger piece is we don't want them by themselves in front of a computer. The adult is still active. They're active as a facilitator. They're there to help. They're there to give seminar instruction. Uh, they're there. And I'll tell you the biggest piece that we're going to focus on next year is feedback. Um, our adults are going to be better than ever at giving feedback because I think that's the true measure of if you want to quote unquote, say grades. If you have quality feedback, that's better than any grade that you can get. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see such power in that. And people one of the complaints we've heard up here in Fairbanks is that we just want more technology so that we can eliminate the need for teachers. And my argument is it's exactly the opposite. It is. We need our teachers to be even better because if they are working with kids who have, who are working on their own passion projects, their own mastery projects of things that they're interested in, that teacher needs to be more dynamic, more skilled, better at giving feedback 
than they ever were to be able to be as successful as possible working with those kids and doing things that are just awesome. And so, you know, we really got to, we need to up our game as the adults to meet our kids at the level that they're at. Can you share some of the successes you've seen either with teachers who have, who have maybe not been on board and then come on board or students who the traditional system just didn't work out and they're really thriving in, in your system? Yes. Start with the learners first of all. Um, the first year we did this was three years ago, and so now our eighth graders are just moving on to the high school. They broke in adults every year that they've gone through this. But there's a little sixth grader, Hannah, when she started three years ago, her elementary experience was awful because she wasn't allowed to have the kind of movement that she wanted, uh, she was getting in trouble for it. She just had her viewpoint of, of school is just really negative. And then she realized that within our personalized learning, the, there was flexibility with seating, flexibility with movement. Um, it was based on her having more control and making her own decisions. We call it advocating for themselves. And she, if she would be on this podcast, she would tell you, I've definitely learned to advocate for myself over the last three years. And so I think about someone like Hannah, who's thriving right now. We've had some kids that have started within the traditional and several seventh graders this past year, they went from traditional to PL this year and just incredible. And one of them was uh, just on Hans Apple's uh, podcast with me a couple weeks ago. And Alex talks about how, you know, just being able to step back and relearn something. She couldn't do that in a traditional setting because there was a pace that was set for 25 kids, even though they weren't all the same, and she had to match that. And now she's just thriving to where she uh, she's working ahead at times with a group of kids. As far as adults, I think you know most of the adults in my building, if they're disappointed with something, they're disappointed that they're not in that cohort because, like you started the program, the silo experience is real. And they, they see what it's like to have, be, have four people working together because we do a lot of cross-curricular projects now because they can create their own time. Science and ELA can make a block of time 80 minutes long if they want to and then really hone in on some skills together. So most of the teachers in my building, they'd love to be in the cohort. Um, I'll focus on one within my seventh grade cohort. She is, I have a lot of young staff. And she is one of my veteran staff. And this change, I think she would tell you, was not easy to make. She's in her second year. But I think she would tell you that she wouldn't go back to the way it was. And that's what I hear over and over, that the work, it's like starting over. You're a first-year teacher again. But the reward is so high that they, they would not go back to the way it was and that's why in our building, even if kids are considered a traditional track, those teachers that are doing just ELA standalone, they're doing PL within their individual room and still doing a lot of the same concepts. They just aren't doing it with three other content teachers at the same time. Yeah, that's really powerful. So the last question that I ask is, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you, Darren? You know, I think my first reaction to the question is you have to be your own person. So I don't, I don't think there's really anything I, sh I should tell you because you need to be who you think you're, who, 
you know, where your passions line were all different to some extent. But if I had to give just some straight line advice, it would be, it would be just hold on to your, your beliefs. Because like you talked about earlier, there are those people that want to chop your head off sometimes. And just knowing you, Jethro, I mean, we're, we probably push some things that probably make a lot of people nervous in traditional education. So if you really want to make a difference, though, you have to really hold tight to your beliefs. And even when it doesn't make sense, even when there is no research, like PL right now, there's not a lot of the research. But I can tell you my kids and I can see what's going on. That's my live research that I have. You have to do the same thing if you're, if you're listening to this, if you're brand new. You just have to, you have to do it. You know what? I'm going to change my answer on you. I'm going to say do it. You, you need to have the mindset of serving kids. If that isn't there, if you're going to do it for yourself, you're in trouble. If you're going to do it to please the adults in your building, it's not going to make it. But if you have an absolute heart for kids, and I'll, I'll use the L word, love kids, because I think both of us are the same. I love every single kid at South Middle School. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know what, if you're going to talk bad about my kids, you're going to have to go through me sometimes. And I think Hamish Brewer talks about that as well with his kids. It's that passion to always want the best for the kids in your building. Yeah, I had an interesting experience this last year where um, a teacher described me as the most student-focused principal <laughs> she's ever known. Nice. And I thought that was really cool. But I've never, honestly, I've never seen myself that way because I, like for me, I, I think what you said, have the mindset of serving kids first and foremost. And I don't usually add to these things at the end, but I'm adding to this because I think it's really important. <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Because I, I don't see myself as a, as like a student first principal because I don't do like, I don't do all the activities. I don't go to every basketball game or things like that. And, and that's what I've always thought a student first meant. And she said, are you kidding me? Everything that you do is only about making life better for the kids. And, and I needed her to tell me that because I didn't even believe that myself, even though I would say things like that and my actions showed that. I just thought that I was that I was just trying to do what was right. But she really made it clear that that there is a difference and and that it does matter. And that personally, that really touched me because it helped me reaffirm that that's what I was doing. But when that's your mindset, like it doesn't matter what else is going on, you're doing the thing for those kids. And it's easier to do that thing because you're doing it for someone else, not because you're like, you know, trying to get the accolades or whatever. And so, so that's where, you know, this, this last school year, it just ended for us also. And I just feel nothing but gratitude for the kids that I was able to work with and just so pumped for what we were able to accomplish because of those kids. So anyway, do you have anything else to add before we uh, sign off? Just want to make sure you have the last word. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I loved everything that you just said too, but it's, uh, I think our last day was last week, Thursday. And I got in front of the kids like we usually do on the final day, just to kind of set some things up. And I looked at the kids and I said, you know what? I don't know why, but this, 
for me, it feels like this is the first day of school. And I think that's, I mean, obviously I'm not burnt out, but I think that just says that I'm just, I'm ready to see you guys some more. You know, I know the summer's coming up, but Jethro, my favorite times of the day are before school starts when the kids are coming into the building and I can see them if I don't have meetings. And then it's lunchtime, just being able to stand and visit with kids, sit with kids. Those are the best parts of my day. It's just being able to talk with kids and be real with them. Well, that's awesome. I want to encourage everybody to get Darren's book, Revolution. And you can get a link to that in the show notes at transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 286. And then you can also follow Darren on Twitter. He is at D-E-L-L-W-E-I-N. Thank you again, Darren, so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Yeah, thank you, Jethro. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.